Welcome to Amplified, a podcast about the sounds of scholarship from our team here at the Amplify Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stacey Copeland. Scholarly podcasts seem to be everywhere these days, don't they? And graduate students, like many other scholars, are interested in what the form might offer to their research. But pitching and producing a podcast as an alternate to the traditional written thesis comes with its own unique challenges. This month on Amplified, I sit down with Dr. Paranita Shetty, the freshly minted doctor behind Marginally Fanish, a podcast and PhD thesis exploring intersectionality in online fandom. I will definitely, of course, put the link to Marginally Vanish uh, so people can check out the website because it is chock full of a bunch of your research and the writing that goes with the podcast as well, which is great. And transcripts, which was awesome to see. And little gifs in your uh, transcripts, <laughs> which is like... Yeah, I got. I went a little bit overboard going and like creating the transcripts. I looked at fan art, looked at... Just yeah, made it much more time consuming than it already was. But it's great because it really speaks to the form and genre of Mm -hmm. fan fan media and fan podcasts in particular in the way that you've brought in some of those elements, right? So I I appreciate that like nod to the community (laughs) that you're researching and are a part of. Hi, my name is Parnita Shetty and I've, I guess, technically passed my PhD, but I don't consider myself a doctor yet, you know, university bureaucracy and stuff. <laughs> I also work with children's books and young people back home in India. I'm from India currently living in the UK. I also am a fan. So I was very much a participant in my research as well as a researcher. One of the questions that I, I was really struck by in listening to your first pilot episode and you open that episode with talking about how you feel like you're living two separate lives at the same time, um, which I think a lot of graduate students, especially international graduate students, can relate to that feeling of, you know, living mm-hmm. for you, your your one Indian life at one point, and then that's your real life versus your UK, maybe student life as your temporary or fake life is what you say. And this really stuck out to me as a, a very provocative way to open the series. And I guess in listening to that first episode, which is, as we were talking about, um, what some people might call more of a chat cast style of the fan podcast with two of your friends and fellow fan culture enthusiasts from India, uh, Sanjana and Aparna. And in particular, I'm wondering if you could talk a bit more about what role making this podcast as part of your research played in reconciling or grappling with or even just further exploring that lived experience of feeling like you're living two separate lives as part of your graduate student experience? So what I realized when I had said that, and this I only realized when I revisited the episode, you know, while I was transcribing as well as when I was analyzing all the podcast episodes was that I think what I meant when I was dividing myself into these two real and fake lives is that 
my experiences in the UK have only been around higher education, around postgraduate mm. education. So I moved here for my master's and then again I came back for my PhD. Mm. And I think that I have this really, which I'm sure a lot of graduate students can recognize, uh, imposter syndrome in academia. Mm. <laughs> I didn't consider myself as a real academic and you know these were ideas that I'm still struggling to unlearn about what I'd said before like what kind of knowledge you know counts in an academic setting and I've grown up in online fan community so I've been a part of like the online Harry Potter fan community I think since I was 13 so that was yeah <laughs> many years ago and like I've sort of grown up with it as well and I've always considered myself a fanish person but more importantly i think a lot of my knowledge and education has come from online sort of communities and online conversations because my formal secondary and university education really left me pretty under stimulated which is why i feel so passionate about online fandom communities in general but now more recently fan podcast specifically the popular media is a great way to bring people together like within the context of marginally fanish and other fan podcasts but it's the conversations and interpretations that are happening in these spaces is what's really interesting because you're sort of using this fictional framework to learn about so many different experiences and identities in the real world and it can differ based on who's the one who's chatting mm. so this framework i think is really interesting and then i think the other thing that i really loved throughout the podcasting process is this sort of collective process of decolonization that was happening in our own imaginations mm. especially when it came to our identities as asian fans or indian fans and there were fans from other parts of asia as well because i think there are not as many spaces and opportunities where you come together and you know you analyze and discuss and sort of geek out about as well these things in a way where you're critically and collectively analyzing but it's also born of love you know you love this you're invested in it but you can also critique it not all fans do this mm-hmm. so it was like you know us unpacking these things that we'd previously taken for granted and not questioned but the space that the podcast offered it was a chat it was of course a structured conversation but it was still like you know two people or three people coming together to talk and then also when it came to other identities that we didn't inhabit the research that we did where we listened to first person perspectives on other fan podcasts or read essays ideas and you know cultures that we would never would have you know sort of come across otherwise so yeah i think that throughout the podcasting process these two things were really important for me i think as a person <laughs> as dramatic as that sounds you know i think what really struck me about what you just said was bringing up the importance of decentering the university in knowledge sharing and the way that, you know, sharing knowledge, learning happens in all sorts of different spaces mm-hmm. is really important reminder. Absolutely. That actually reminded me of, I think it's your, is it the first episode or the second episode where you're talking about intersectionality and mm-hmm. asking, you know, uh, Sanjana and Aparna, had you 
learned this elsewhere? Are you were you familiar with this term before we had this conversation and prepped for this episode? And you know, they were like, "Yeah, I had heard about it before. It's something that's circulating out in fan culture." Mm-hmm. And those are really important reminders of the way that there is a lot of overlap in some of the conversation that's happening in academic spaces and fan culture spaces in really interesting ways. And so I really appreciated that about your podcast too, that it's trying to break down some of those walls and and constantly remind us, you know, yes, this is a PhD project, but it's also just my life and how I am interested in talking about these things and that other people in fan culture are interested in talking about these things. So I wanted to see if you could speak up a little bit more to that, like your decision around your approach to the podcast. So, you know, this collective intelligence, it's become like my passion project now, just inviting different perspectives in. I was really inspired from existing fan podcasts, actually. So, you know, this sort of methodology that I had for my own um, research project was cobbled together. It was super hybrid. So, I, you know, drew on existing fan podcasts as well as like public pedagogy scholarship, fan studies scholarship, my own interests in like what the kind of things that I like to listen to as a fan. And what I knew from the outset is that I didn't want to be the only person talking conversations were a huge part of the way that I engage with knowledge, like this collaborative, again, this collective intelligence. But also I found it most interesting to listen to fan podcasts where either there were co-hosts or the solo host invited a lot of guests and was able to learn and share from these different experiences. And in my podcast in Marginally Fanish, I really was uncomfortable with the interview format because my overarching framework, well, one of them was intersectionality. So I did want to recruit as diverse a cohort of co-participants as possible. Two reasons I think I was really uncomfortable with an interview was that I thought my questions would frame and guide the conversation a little too much. They'd control it a little too much. And that wasn't something that I wanted. And also in terms of identities and backgrounds and cultures that I wasn't familiar with. So what we also ended up doing is before we met for the episode recording, we would exchange fan texts and media recommendations with each other based on the theme we were going to be discussing. And this really helped because we got an insight into each other's perspective. Mm. And then we met, like we had a short meeting before we recorded to discuss what themes we wanted to focus on based on what we'd exchanged and the structure of the episodes, the stuff that we were okay with, like overlooking stuff that we definitely wanted to cover. So it did, I think that the advantages of an interview would have been that there would have been less homework for my co-participants. You know, they wouldn't have had to, first of all, take the time to look for things to send me and then read and listen to the things that I send them. But (laughs) I was really trying to sort of de-center myself, which worked sometimes and didn't work other times. I, I really appreciate that kind of reflection back on the discovery process of learning what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. in uh, taking different approaches to your research. Uh, I think that's something we don't talk about enough yeah. <laughs> in the academic world that sometimes kind of failing forwards is part of the process of, of learning how you want to approach your research and and trying something that maybe is outside of the box in your own discipline too. Mm -hmm. It actually brings me to one of the questions I was quite curious to talk to you more about now that you're 
through the process. And I think I am particularly interested because I'm at the doing final revisions on my dissertation stage of my PhD. Oh, good luck. <laughs> so I can like almost taste the <laughs> end. And, and so it's nice to be... Freedom is inside. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be reminded that, you know, you do get to the other side. Yeah. So thinking about that and, and reflecting back on the process now that Marginally Fanish is out in the world... What would you do differently, if anything? And and what advice would you maybe have given to yourself looking back uh, and saying to, you know, Paranita a year ago, two years ago, what, what should you be thinking about in this process? Um, because I do think those kind of reflections might be useful to other graduate students interested in, you know, incorporating podcasting into their research. What you'd said about failure being a part of the PhD process, I actually, I think, have a whole chapter on that nearly it's called the methodology of discomfort which is like this thing um in public mm. pedagogy scholarship jennifer sandlin and jake burdick they've written a paper about it which i can send you a link to as well but basically it was talking about embracing uncertainty and mistakes and you know sort of discomfort as well and learning mm. from them and you know negotiating that as a part of your project especially when working with these non-traditional spaces and contexts. And that's something that I really took on board while creating the podcast. So like my first episode that you mentioned was the pilot, but I was learning throughout. So what fed into the first episode, sort of, you know, what worked, what didn't fed into the second episode. And then throughout as well, like I, I made a lot of mistakes. So I think making mistakes was very much a part of my methodology. Like I knew I'd be learning from things that I'd done incorrectly or not even incorrectly, just in a way that didn't work eventually for me. Mm. I think one of the biggest lessons, I guess, if you could call it that, like I, I made a bunch of mistakes and, you know, that was fine. But I think one of the biggest ones that I had made was like, you know, you said earlier that in uh, you noticed that, you know, the sharing of power with co-participants happened. But then I did get feedback from a listener that I had, when I was talking to a non-binary co-participant in one of the episodes, I had spoken a lot more than they had. They analyzed the transcript of the conversation. And, but, you know, they also sort of offered it quite, graciously like not in an accusatory way but just in a and they responded very well to my email response but it just got me thinking that in a podcast or in any sort of conversation like even if you're doing you know regular research I loved the format that I had of exchanging text so I guess if I had an interview I would have spoken less naturally and my co-participant would have spoken more but I like this sort of me being a participant as well but at the same time, like I tend to talk a lot and I tend, you know, for me, like I think there are different communicationist styles as well. Like for me, interruptions are a form of active listening. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a cultural thing and it's like, you know, just a different thing. Whereas for other people just naturally don't talk as much. And especially in instances where I was talking to co-participants from marginalized identities, which most of them were in some context to the other. I was really uncomfortable asking them to share more than they were comfortable with anyway. Mm. So I think what I would do is in the methodology, find a way to share more power, essentially, as in, you know, like create space for 
more voices mm. or i guess participants to have more of a say in the voice like in the decisions and things again i understand this may not work for everybody because mm-hmm. again it's a lot more work mm-hmm. but with sanjana and aparna what did help with us and i felt like i could do it with them because they were two of my friend like good friends is we facilitated different segments like we took charge of different segments of the podcast episodes that we did so we recorded six mm. so then you know everyone got a chance to speak first and like you know to manage that conversation so i think that worked really well oh that's great i that's some of my favorite <laughs> advice <laughs> that i hear from from other folks especially folks who have just finished uh, a grad school degree is like just embrace that not everything's going to go the way that you want yeah. it to and sometimes yeah. the those uh failures end up being the the biggest impact or the biggest findings of your research too. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, thank you for taking the time to come and talk about Marjorie Fanish with me and I love your glasses by the way. I did want to Thank you. It's one of the advantages <laughs> of Zoom. I'm like very cool glasses. Nice yellow friends. <laughs> thank you. A big thank you to Paranita for sharing her insights into the podcast PhD journey from imposter syndrome (laughs) and failure as process to fandom as an alternative knowledge space and form of collective intelligence. You can check out Marginally Fanish at marginallyfanish.org. As always, if you have comments or want to take this conversation further, please do reach out. We love hearing from other folks engaging with scholarly podcasting and alternative modes of academic publishing. Thanks for listening to Amplified, a podcast about the sounds of scholarship, coming to you each month from our team here at the Amplify Podcast Network.